Chapter One of Citadel of the Star Lords. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Citadel of the Star Lords by Edmund Hamilton. Chapter One. As he gunned his plane northward through the night, Price thought of the roller coaster when he'd been a kid, of how you went faster and faster until you hit the big plunge. Well, he was on the big plunge now. And what would end this roller coaster ride? Prison, or escape, or a crash? It had to be one of those. He was to remember that later. He was to think later that it was well he didn't dream the fantastic fate he was really racing toward. He looked down, and there was only blackness. The deserts of California and Nevada are dark and wide, and he was keeping well away from the airways beacons and the main highways. He kept the beechcraft as high as he could. He was flying without lights, but with what they already had against him, that minor infraction wasn't important. He kept looking back expecting every minute to see the red-and-green wing-lights of Border Patrol planes coming up on his tail. If he was lucky, if he slipped them long enough, if he crossed north without being sighted by the passenger planes that shuttled between Las Vegas and Los Angeles, he might just make it to Bill Willerman's and get the Beechcraft under cover. If, if, if. There was another if, Price thought bitterly. If he'd had any brains, he wouldn't be in this spot at all. He turned on the radio. He flipped the dot around, getting loud music from a Vegas hotel, then a political speech, then more music, and then a news broadcast. As he'd expected, he was at the top of the news. So that even while Arnolfo Ruiz, firebrand revolutionary exile, is under arrest by Mexican police, the United States authorities are conducting an intensive air-dragnet search for the American pilot who smuggled Ruiz across the border. That unknown pilot is known to have returned across the border an hour ago, and police of three states have been alerted. The AEC announces that its next test will be that of an experimental small new H-bomb whose effects will be studied for— Price savagely cut the radio. He damned the announcer, and Ruiz, and himself. Most of all, himself. He'd acted like a half-wit. Because a smooth talker had given him a phony story about a secret business trip, he had smuggled the most dangerous troublemaker in the hemisphere down to a friendly republic. Who would believe he hadn't known? He had done it, and pressure from Washington would make sure that he got full pay for his folly he might as well look the truth in the face. If it hadn't been this, it would have been something else. He'd been playing the fool for years, ever since Korea. Other flyers had come home from there and taken up their jobs again, but a job had been too dull for him. He drifted along with the fast-buck flyboys out for fun and excitement, hauling hunting and fishing parties, spending the profits in border-town bars, going broke and starting over again. And now, finally this. His roller-coaster ride was about over. It would be over for good if he didn't reach Willerman's ranch before daylight. Bill would hide the plane for him. 
He'd saved Bill's neck a couple of times in the old days, and he could depend on him. But he had to reach him first. He saw the glow in the sky that came from the lights of Las Vegas, and he kept warily wide of it. He looked back again. No patrol planes yet. As he rushed on, Price began to feel that he was going to make it. Then, suddenly and disastrously, everything happened at once. He saw the lights on the ground ahead, an oddly scattered pattern of lights too thin to be a town, too widespread to be a ranch. At the same moment, two fast jets screamed down from the upper darkness and nearly tore his wings off. They curved around for another pass at him. Air Force planes, thought Price. Hell, that tears it. It seemed crazy that the government was that hot to catch him. But the jets were making another lightning pass to him, trying to scare him, to force him down. He had less than a chance in a million to lose them, and he knew it. But he was going to be a long time in jail, and he might as well give them a run for it. Just possibly, the slower Beechcraft could get away in the dark the next time they overshot him. He gunned the plane wide open, rushing high over the scattered lights. And then, incredibly, he was free of his pursuers. He looked over his shoulder and saw them drawing back. It didn't make sense. Why would they suddenly draw back? Anyway, with those jets off his tail, he still had a chance. Price looked down. Among the lights down there he saw lights on a queer steel tower. He'd seen pictures of a tower like that somewhere. It wasn't an oil rig, but something he couldn't remember. And then, suddenly, he remembered, and a terrible coldness choked him, and his flesh flinched as he saw a door into nightmare opening. That tower, and the announcement of a new H-bomb test, and the distance he was from Las Vegas, and the way those frantic jets had drawn back. Oh, no, said Price. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. He was still saying it when the bomb went off and the universe cracked wide open under his racing plane. End of chapter 1